Hi, I'm Dr. Pam Peek, and welcome to episode 383 of Her, the podcast where you're going to hear the naked truth about her mind, her body, her life, and today, why she cannot outrun her fork. So it's all about nutrition and exercise. Yep. And we have a terrific show coming up. And just know that this episode is made possible by our terrific friends over at Solaray Vitamins. Now, Solaray puts out a multiple vitamin for women um, that includes everything we need for both beauty, that means hair and nails, um, as well as wellness in general. Um, and there's also a new liposomal multivitamin, which means that with an extra little coating of liposomes, which are little fat globules, you'll be able to keep that vitamin absorbing for a much longer period of time as it courses through your gut so that you get more and more into your tissues. So you get more for your buck, as it were. So Run on over to solaray.com to learn more. And here is your first reminder to click onto iTunes after this episode to rate and review the show because your feedback is absolutely what we want to hear from. Okay? Love to hear from you. All right. It's time for her. The podcast. The naked truth about women. Her mind. Her body. Her life. It's all about her. So, here's something that everyone loves to hear. It's like, oh, heck, no problem whatsoever. You know, I could have a pretty crappy diet, but, you know, um, I basically work out to eat whatever I want. How many people have heard this or have you had that come out of your cherubic little lips, right? And you said, oh, you know, I'll work out like mad. I'll, you know, run for 10 miles and I'll go home and eat whatever the heck I want and in any portions that I want. And basically it's all bad news. And then you look in the mirror like a week later going, how come there's no changes? Uh, no mystery here. But what we now have is some really new awesome science that has come out that will tell you why it's not an either or situation, nutrition and exercise. It's both with a nuance. So who better to describe all of this than my wonderful friend and colleague, Dr. Felicia Stoller. She's a registered dietitian, nutritionist, exercise physiologist. That's where the PhD comes from. She's also an expert consultant in wellness and healthful living. You know, Felicia, welcome back to the Her Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. I'm telling you, you know, your background with both ACDC, basically you've got nutrition and physical activity and you are an athlete and you're in phenomenal shape um, in your 50s and just, you know, you're kind of like a, a walking role model for people who are trying to age well. And so, but most importantly, you're an expert in both nutrition and exercise. So here we have this study that was just published um, in the British Journal of Sports Medicine. Uh, 
kind of give us the high points on this study and, and why this was so compelling. Yeah, you know, what I really loved about this is this was the first time a study looked at both the type of exercise that people were doing and the quality of their diet because you know what I have learned over the years, and this is always where I'm the type of professional because I wear both hats, or I should say, I feel like the scales need to be balanced, right? Like I'm, you know, like on the one side, I've got physical activity. On the other side, there's always diet. And it's not just calories. It's the quality of the diet in terms of what you're eating. And the two, in my opinion, are pretty, you know, symbiotic. They go hand in hand. They need to be there together. And what was really cool about the study is that usually you have a study that just looks at like diet um, with, without including exercise, or it's got exercise without looking at quality of diet. Sometimes they're often just really looking at calories and they're looking at weight. So this is the first time they sort of looked at, you know, whether you're eating fruits and vegetables in your diet or highly processed foods and the type of physical activity that you're doing. And then they looked at all-cause mortality and what your likelihood or statistical um, likelihood was or what, you know, well, not would be, but they really looked, you know, of course, like they look retrospectively to see who died and from what. And they were looking at different causes of death based upon, um, you know, diet. So they were looking at very specific parameters uh, related to certain types of diseases that are highly associated with diet. So you're looking at things like heart disease and cancers. And then they also looked at, they call, they called them PDR cancers. So um, the one, the cancers that are associated with poor quality of diet, bladder cancer, breast cancer, specifically in postmenopausal women, colorectal cancer, endometrium cancer, stomach, kidney, liver, esophageal, and pancreatic cancer. So those being correlated to, or you know, through research being correlated to um, diet quality, and they were looking at outcomes. Do you want me to keep going? So, <laughs> no, no, I'm going to jump that. in, and I just want to add a little yeah, color. I know, I know, I know. Just want to add a little color yeah. to what you're doing. So, this was um, a study of 350,000 participants that was collected from the United Kingdom's biobank, and this is an enormous medical database with health information from people all across Britain, and um, and they followed up over uh, a 10-year uh, period, and the study uh, participants, median age was 57. They were all healthy, and I quote, um, at the beginning of the study, that means that they had not been diagnosed with something super bad, like heart disease, cancer, chronic pain, something like that. And, and they basically were looking at self-reported questionnaires um, and looking at issue of high-quality diets. And it's interesting for people out there to know what a high-quality diet is. It's, at le you know, they were defining it as at least 4.5 cups of fruits and vegetables a day, two or more servings of fish per week, and less than two servings of processed meats per week, and no more than five servings of red meat. So think about your own diet out there. 
in her podcast land and say, hmm, you know, where am I in all of this? And they didn't look at things like desserts and soft drinks and stuff. I mean, it just gets too crazy after a while. And then they also looked at activity levels. And at those activity levels, it was basically, you know, they they asked him in another questionnaire about the total minutes participants spent walking and engaging in moderate physical activity um, and then vigorous physical activity, everything lasting more than 10 minutes. And it was very interesting um, because, as you said, it's the first study to examine diet and exercise along both general mortality and specific lethal diseases like cancer. So now we're on the edge of our chair. Give it up, Felicia. What was it? What What did they actually find? Oh well, I wanted to actually discuss something that I thought was important, which is why it's uh, why this was so. Key, oh, okay. That they were looked at cool. together because this is something that when I was going through the article, I'm like. Pull it up on the big screen. I want to quote it verbatim because I just thought it was great, right? Because what they basically said is that, you know, we know that diet and regular physical activity are important, but why are they important? I'm going to just read it right off of here because they're complementary interactive effects on energy, lipid, glucose, metabolic homeostasis process, right? They share physiological mechanisms for chronic disease prevention. These are the things that people forget when, you know, someone like myself or yourself explain to people why both physical activity and a high quality diet are important because physiologically they work together to help with preventing disease. You know, otherwise the way I, I was trying to figure out how could I make it relatable so that people understand. It's like when you're driving a car, are you the person who speeds up and puts, you know, your pedal to the metal that you drive really fast and then you brake really hard, right? Those are the extremes in driving. Or are you going to try to follow the speed limit, stay a safe distance from the car in front of you, and, you know, generally do the right thing most of the time? And that, I think, is what was important here in terms of understanding what they were looking at in the study. And in terms of, I, I, I love the fact, well, I just love the fact that you just brought that up. You know, people, I think, just see these two elements of lifestyle as completely separate um, sectors. You know, the, first you eat and then you do the exercise thing. They don't see, as you just said so beautifully, that they are absolutely working off each other. And, and so you have to have them together absolutely together and because to your point physiologically they are intricately interconnected and 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 it's just it's so critical for people to see it's not an either or situation and you cannot keep saying that oh you know i'll just work it off um, because the research has already shown, and this is research that's been done by other people, not just the study. The research has shown that, you know, people who do vigorous physical activity and who have not such a great diet can, in the short term, kind of beat, beat down the bad nutrition. However, that does not last in the long term. 
it does not last in the long term. It's like you can't, you know what I always say, you can't cheat the body. Cannot cheat the body. And, and that's, so stop believing these myths and start, you know, getting right into it. Right, 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 exactly. And you know, the one thing I want to say, which is always what you're going to get in research, that is that they're looking at people's lives during a finite set, a finite period of time. So in this data set, which I was very impressed with, I wasn't as familiar with it personally, because I'm, you know, we're all about like NHANES data and, you know, Framingham and, you know, there's like other data sets that we use in the United States on a regular basis. But, um, but what I liked, you know, like, or the nurses study, but what I really liked, you know, I want to just point out is that the people that were in the study, it starts at the age of 40. And the reason why I want to address this is because we're looking at outcomes based upon measurements that are first taken at a particular point in people's lives. It doesn't, look at what they were doing for the 40 years before they may have entered this <laughs> because I want people to understand. I'm sure you have people that listen to your podcast of all ages. It is important to do this at all stages of your life. It is not like, okay, I'm turning 50, you know, or I'll wait till I'm older and then I'll deal with it. No, like you need to think about this all the time. It is much easier to live a life of prevention than to have to deal with doing intensive uh, lifestyle management changes in order to reverse or modify a disease you may have or your disease risk. So I just I just like people to remember that you know diet and exercise are the least expensive, least invasive, and most effective ways to prevent and treat disease. So. I love I love that. Well, let's just do it. I people are let's waiting to hear so it, what? Right? So what were the results? The results were that basically if you are having a a better quality uh diet, you know, in terms of making sure that you're getting your fruits and vegetables, having your fish, not eating a lot of beef, not having uh processed meats, if you do that in addition to vigorous activity, not to say that the not you know the non vigorous activity wasn't as important, but the vigorous activity showed even more of a protective benefit. Your likelihood of dying from those diseases that we mentioned before goes down significantly. So there's definitely a relationship that a high quality diet, in association with regular vigorous activity, is beneficial and or I should say correlated with preventing those diseases that are associated with, you know, the way I learned it in graduate school is lifestyle diseases, right? They are diseases of lifestyle. It's about lifestyle choices. So you want to move more? That's great. You want to eat more fruits and vegetables? Even better. You know, are you going to have fish? Yes. You know, uh, so often people think that you know, I literally was just speaking to a friend of mine that her um, health insurance company has her doing an app. And she said, I didn't realize that three quarters of my plate was not filled with vegetables. <laughs> she said three quarters uh -huh. of my plate was always filled with protein and only a quarter of it. And we talked about the value of even, um, you know, journaling so that you can actually look at what you eat every day and, you know, understand how your food intake affects your health. I think that people in their mind think that they're eating healthy and sometimes maybe they're really not. Well, I think that uh, most people need um, to have 
a um, you know a, a better knowledge base about um, nutrition and physical activity. And um, the reason why I rattled off what they consider to be um, in this study a high quality diet is for people to sit back, scratch their head, and say, "Hmm, am I doing that?" Um, and that's an important thing because. I, th I just think that there's um, a lot of uh, wishy-washiness out there um, and, and people are just reading too much garbage um, on the internet. So there's that. And then as far as physical activity is concerned, here's the thing that's really important. The people who did the absolute best in the study are the people who had both a high-quality diet as well as routine, vigorous activity. Now, what does that mean? 10 minutes of doing something that makes you break a sweat. I mean, that's at the very basics. It makes you break a sweat. So if it means stair climbing, if it means hill climbing, um, if it means brisk walking, really brisk walking, no zombie walk here, brisk walking, get those arms moving too, um, if it means like a vigorous hike, um, it, you could be on a bike, um, you could be, you know, on a trampoline and, and, and crack an incredible, you know, sweat and all the rest of it. You could do mixtures of all of this. The key is that the mass majority of people out there are not cracking a sweat. They're doing, you know, something. Now, that being said, if well, something's you, better you know, than you could, <laughs> well, well, that's the whole point. You know, so that if you're if you're doing something like, yes, I walk the dog every day and, you know, yes, this and yes, that. OK, that's all great. OK, but but really um, what you really need to be doing is infusing throughout the week some level of vigorous activity. So it just means picking up the pace. So instead of hopping on your bike and kind of going la la la, you know, like crank it out a little bit more, you know, attack that hill. And it doesn't take much. It's over in a matter of a minute or two minutes, but those minutes add up. So the people in the study who did the best had the most vigorous activity but remember, they also have like regular activity too. So these are people who walk their dog and take a walk with a friend, but they're also adding in dedicated time for vigorous activity. And those people also had the highest quality diet. Okay, so they had the lowest mortality rate. Now the rest of it's sort of a mixed bag. Anyone, anyone who was doing some level of physical activity, you know, there's there's a great diversity here, you know, whether you were just always moderate or maybe a little bit of vigorous and mostly moderate or whatever the issue is. It, to your point, Felicia, at least they're moving on a routine basis. Notice I said routine basis, not once a month or once every three months. You, this is a, like a daily, weekly situation where they've incorporated this into their lives. Here's the caveat. The people who don't do any physical activity and have a terrible diet or the people who have a great diet but no physical activity, so it goes both ways, um, are, are the people with the highest mortality rate. 
So that means that, you know, if you're eating well but not moving, not working. Mm-mm. No, don't even think you're optimizing, you know, your ability to fend off disease. Um, and the and the people who are, you know, working out like mad but eating trash, okay, it's still not going to work. I'm sorry, you know, and, and all this study and everyone else's study have backed that up. So the most valuable takeaways are, you know, in the best of all worlds, what you're aiming for, what you're striving for is as much vigorous activity throughout the week as possible in combination with as optimal diet as you can possibly do. Does that make sense to and you? Let, yes. And let me tell the people that are listening, your listeners, the reason why, because these are going to be some catch terms that they hear, but haven't necessarily thought about how to apply. So the reason why you want to do more vigorous physical activity is because it elicits more physiological adaptations, right? So what's going to happen? You become stronger, right? You are going to have bigger muscles. What happens when, you have, when you're stronger and you have larger muscles? You're increasing your metabolic rate, right? Like your metabolic rate for voluntary activity in terms of calorie burning. What else is happening? Insulin sensitivity. You become more sensitive. Your insulin becomes more sensitive. You're forcing glucose into the cells, which means that you're, no, you're going to drive down your risk for diabetes, which we all know is like an evil word. And it has anti-inflammatory effects. Like everyone talks about in inflammation and blood sugar all the time. Well, folks, the best way to deal with that is not just looking at the types of food that you're eating, but to get your body moving. That is easier than worrying about whether or not you're eating anti-inflammatory foods, I think. And and I really appreciate that because now we're talking about quality. Obviously, quantity is a piece of the action too, but you're talking about uh, the quality of what you're eating um, and making certain to minimize. Um, and, and in the best of all worlds, um, avoid uh, the ultra-processed foods. So this is the stuff that's coming in the big boxes, the big bags um, that uh, literally, I don't even call it food. These are science fair projects. Um, and it's just the trash you can find everywhere um, in any grocery aisle. Uh, and really, at the in the best of all worlds, you're eating as lean and clean a source of protein as possible. Um, so fish was mentioned, chickens mentioned, um, really at the end of the day, I'm sure that things like beans, you know, oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Were also I was going to go to the plant based. If we were to like look at that, right, right, right. right. Going right. to the, going to right. the plant based piece, you know, obviously beans and quinoa, tofu, you know, all of these, um, combinations really work like a charm. Um, you know, protein shakes, um, very important too, especially for people who want to do it right. There's so many different sources of protein for the shakes now. Um, everything from chickpea to whey protein, and it goes on and on. Um, but I, I just really think that people need to be paying more attention to the quality of what's going in their mouth in a big way, Right. So, uh, right. and I think the yeah. other thing too, really is thinking about the fruits and vegetables, the more colorful, the fruits and vegetables, the more anti-inflammatory properties, you know, that they have the phytonutrients, the, the colors, you know, the, the plant pigments 
are where all the magic is happening in those plants. And that's where, you know, having a colorful plate is is helpful. And I and I say colorful, but I don't want to forget the fact that there are some browns and yellow like onions are okay to have too and they're usually white and potatoes can be okay too. And they're also white or brown, however you wanna, you know, gauge that or like a yellow squash is really white on the inside. But um, you know, I just want people to to recognize the value of eating more, you know, foods that come from the ground in the manner by which they are grown, you know, that they, that they are found in nature because, because I, I, you know, I personally am not a big fan of some of the alternate veggie proteins that are made to look and taste and have the texture of other proteins just because they're so highly processed. And I would rather that people are eating the plant food themselves instead of just eating stuff that's been turned into a mash and then, you know, basically molded into something to taste like something else that you that you know absolutely so um, you're not getting the whole benefit of that plant and that's you know the fiber the phytonutrients like that stuff is not always there when it becomes highly processed into something else yeah um that's why i love to see you know like the chickpea uh chips and things like this, you gotta you gotta take a step back and going. Well, wait a minute, what are you selling me here? Um, and in the best of all world, you know, it's 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 the whole foods that we need. Um, and there you have it, right? Right, so. right, right. But I was really pleased to look at the study, and because sometimes people will say, "Well, where's the research?" Right? I know that you can look at these two things separately. But where's the research? So here we go. We have the research that actually took it up, took, you know, did the best that it could. There's always going to be something that we could all pick at. But I think this was a very high quality study that was able to stratify people and, and then, you know, figure out a way to, you know, look for correlations, look for, you know, look at outcomes and see, you know, is there really a benefit to physical activity? Um, and is there a benefit to eating, you know, better? And do you really see improved health outcomes? And this says yes. Very good. Okay, so um, at the end of the day, what are we really learning here? What we're learning is that you can't outrun your fork. That's the most important thing to keep in mind. So just right. stop that right now and get that thought out of there. You know, that that whole, you know, how long do I have to run or walk or bike or whatever to work off that cookie um, kind of a thing. It's like, no, 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 no. Everything is done kind of more holistically. And there's nothing wrong with having a treat, a cookie, back and forth. But stop trying to equate it with how long I just ran or whatever. It really doesn't work out that way. What you need to do is have consistent, regularized, routine, physical activity interspersed with 10 minutes of vigorous here, there, and everywhere. That's what you want. And then you, you know, keep it up with a diverse and wonderful um, dietary intake that gives you delicious food, but ideally whole food 
that's what you want. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think you said it great. And, you know, it's easy because you and I live our lives like this. So I think it's easy and you think it's easy. We don't have to think twice about that. But I know for other people, it can be challenging. And as you said, there's so much misinformation that is available in the media and everybody else claims to be an expert, but really we're the experts. <laughs> gotcha. There, and we don't just say it, we live it. And I think there's so much to be said for that. So I want all your listeners to know that we're not just talking the talk, we walk the talk. Yeah, there's no question about that. And I think you and I have also seen that as women, um, when we incorporate more vigorous here, there, and everywhere. And that includes strength training. So, you know, when you're doing your weights and whatever else, as well as whatever you do for aerobic, um, doesn't matter. Just make certain to add in some of that, you know, crack a sweat um, level of physical activity. One of the things I notice certainly, and I know you do, is that your body composition is much better. What does that mean? Forget this weight thing. Instead, you know, stay on top of what your body composition is. So there's plenty of those very reasonably priced uh, scales that also give you um, a breakdown of your body composition. Um, and when you step on these things, you can kind of see how many pounds of muscle you have on board, um, how many pounds of fat, what percentage fat, et cetera, et cetera. When you do more vigorous physical activity and you have a nice clean uh, dietary intake, you're going to be able to see an optimizing of the muscle level and a minimizing of the fat level. And, and you're not going to get that by just being mild to moderate on physical activity. You'll basically hit um, you know, a, a wall at some point because you got to push it harder to be able to see the next level. Well, your body adapts, your body adapts. And I think that that's the one thing that people, you know, don't realize, like you do adapt to the exercise. So an easy acronym when I was teaching at college, um, when I used to teach at Rutgers and I taught exes, we talked a lot about something called the fit principle. So it was frequency, intensity, and time are all things that you can, you don't have to change all three at once, but as long as you change one of those three, regularly, you are always changing up your exercise frequency. How many times a week are you exercising, right? Or how many times are you doing the more, in, you know, intense workout, you know, then the intensity, right? If you're walking at the same pace, you need to step it up and move a little faster, right? And then the time we talked about 10 minutes, can you make it 15 minutes, you know, like just small changes throughout the week can all lead to huge results overall. Excellent. So everyone out there on the Herb Podcast land, what we've been doing is summarizing a brand new study that was just published, which is very, very exciting. And this was basically um, uh, in the British Journal of Sports Medicine. And this involved um, over 350,000 participants in a huge data bank over there in Britain. Um, and, and these people have been followed for over a decade. And these are the results. The bottom line is, in the best of all worlds, as much vigorous physical activity as possible, number one, in your life, and, and this is all relative to whoever you are, whatever level you're at, it's just 
you know, crack a sweat for crying out loud and do it on a routine basis and then have as optimal a dietary intake as possible. Whole foods are absolutely where it's at. No question about that. Um, and honestly, uh, uh, it's important also to keep in mind that when you are, are trying to strive to do this, no one is perfect. Stuff happens. So just forgive yourself for crying out loud. And um, please make certain to take your multiple vitamin because look, no one's perfect. I mean, we've had days we've skipped meals when we've just, I mean, life hits. So no one's just sitting around living some la di da life. And if they are, God bless you, whoever you are. Uh, it's certainly not you or me, Felicia. Um, we're just running around and, and, and trying to do the best we can because we're just human beings. So there's no shame, blame, and guilt here on people who are struggling to really get it all in there. Just do the best you can. You know, it's the old 80-20 rule. You know, 80% of the time, if you can kind of hit it, 20%, you know, when things get totally funkadelic. But that's also when you want to make certain you've got your your supplements on board to be able to help you um, fill some of those gaps. There's absolutely no question about that. So, Felicia, before we end, um, give us one more nugget that you can give to someone out there who's saying to themselves, holy moly, I'm not even doing either of those things. My dietary intake ain't the world's greatest and my physical activity is all but nil. Um, and they're feeling a little helpless, hopeless, and defeated. What would you say to them? I would say tomorrow. <laughs> Take you know, either later in the day or tomorrow. Just start you know, picking away at it and just make one small change. Just do one change every day. It could be drinking more water instead of having a soft drink, right? Instead of having a, a sugar sweetened or an artificially sweetened beverage, have an extra glass of water. It might mean, um, you know, you, you, you might take a, a handful of baby carrots, you know, have some vegetables. You might add, you know, an extra serving of vegetables to your day. You know, if you start doing it, my son was telling me about, oh my goodness, I'm not going to remember the name of the book. There's a book where people do like very tiny little changes and it all, it's, um, oh my goodness, I can't, I can't think of it. I, I literally just ordered it the other day. This is me having a senior moment, but it was just, he's like, well, mom, you already do this already, but it's just about like small changes add up to a lot. So pick one thing that you're going to do for yourself every day. It is a gift. Health is a gift. It's about choices. So give yourself the gift of a choice that is going to help you to feel better. So, you know, it could be eating a piece of fruit or a piece of dried fruit. It can be, you know, adding some vegetables and it can, it can be, you know what, uh, I'm going to during a commercial break, like you were talking about adding in some vigorous activity, I'm going to do some push-ups. I'm going to do a plank. I'm going to, you know, do some sit-ups. I'm going to do some squats. I'm going to do something, right? You're in the kitchen watching the water boil for some pasta. What can you do in the meantime? You could, you know, do some squats in the kitchen, do some push-ups off the side of your counter. There is something that you can do. You don't need a lot of space to do it, but you just need to do it. Nobody can do it for you. I love it. 
I love it. And taking a little cue off the old Nike logo of just do it. I'm also going to do a plug for kettlebells. Um, one of the, everyone knows I'm a kettlebell queen. And one of the things I love about kettlebells more than anything else is it gives you absolutely everything you need. Endurance, intensity, strength, balance, flexibility, everything. And I could do kettlebell swings. I could knock out some swings in no time at all. And here's the thing. I'm always cracking a sweat with that because I go from zero to intense. And so it doesn't take a heavy one at all. Just, just, you know, grab a kettlebell. Um, I keep one around all the time in my office. Um, to your point, Felicia, I'll just pick it up and do some stuff with it, a deadlift with it. I'll do some squats with it. Um, I could do some swings, anything I want to do. Um, and that'll immediately give me um, like a, a little, you know, intensity snack, as it were. Um, and then it's done and I get right back to what I'm doing, but I also feel energized. This has been absolutely amazing, this entire episode. Everyone, as you know, we're talking to Dr. Felicia Stoller. Um, she has been on the show a number of times in the past. And boy, when this article came out, it said nutrition and exercise. And I know Felicia's um, extraordinary expertise. I said, tap, tap, you know, come on down and enlighten all of the Herb Podcast uh, listenership. And you did a beautiful job. All I can say is thank you so much. And everyone out there, please take a minute to hit iTunes and rate and review the show. I want to hear from you because I'm Dr. Pam Peek, host of the Her Podcast. Follow me on Facebook at Dr. Pam Peek or Twitter and Instagram at Pam Peek MD. And remember to catch every single episode of the Her Podcast on iTunes, Radio MD, and every one of the major platforms out there. Thanks for listening today. Stay safe and stay well. <music>